This program contains techniques and exercises that can cause physical injury. Individuals involved in the production and those demonstrating their skills assume no responsibility for any injury or damage resulting from the execution of techniques and exercises presented herein. Because I'm the best in the world, even though a lot of you don't like to hear it. I just, it's fact, I'm the best, you know what I mean? I sometimes, I don't want to believe in myself, but it's the truth. I'm the best. Enough with the formality. I think we all know what's happening. It's time for the IC Robots show with your host, the champ, IC Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, your host, the champ. And I am still not a hero, but I still sacrifice a bit of my week almost each and every week to make your week a bit less week. And this week, I think it's going to get a lot, lot, lot less week. We got we got a review of the new Quentin Tarantino movie, and then we are going to go over the top five Quentin Tarantino movies of all the time in space. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. I got a new jam here from Iceberg. Let me see if I can find it on the drive. All right. Uh, hold it. No. Hit it. Yo, Iceberg. Bust a move, man. I was on my way up here to the studio. You know what I'm saying? And this brother stopped me and asked me, Yo, what's up with that brother Iceberg? He swear he nice? I said, yo, the brother don't swear he nice. He knows he's nice. And you know what I'm saying? So, yo, we got a feeling you're turning into a public enemy, man. Now, remember that line you was kicking to me on the way up to Joe video? Well, he was in the car on our way to the shop. Well, yo, right now, kick the bass for them brothers and let them know what goes on. You are listening to the IC Robot Show. We make your children throw furniture. All right, we are back and ready to start the show. What a delight. That was, of course, a takeoff on Public Enemy number one, the Public Enemy classic. I I appreciate that, Iceberg. You, you came through again. You always hit it out of the park. It's me, Icy Robots, and I'm I'm sitting here in the booth. I got Engineer Emily at my side. We're, we're going to talk about... I, I had an adventure to the record store the other day. I haven't been to the uh, record store here in Santa Rosa in many, many, many... Many a moon, but me and the uh, me and the old wife had a few hours to kill before we had to pick up the uh, the kid from work. So we're like, what should we do? And we were over in the neighborhood, and I'll I'll talk about this in the final segment. I was doing some some toy shopping, and we were we were in the neighborhood of Santa Rosa's oldest, longest, most venerated record shop of all the times and all the spaces, the last record store, and I. I don't get over there enough. I I feel bad about that. I like to represent local businesses as much as I can. And this place, this place has been around for uh, just a long time, man. And I used to go there all the time. But I I, uh, I I spend more time listening to pods nowadays than I do music. And that's something I've been I've been meaning to uh, switch up a bit. And I have 
I have been successful in switching it up. I, I started picking up some records. When I when I say record, what I mean is like a vinyl. I call them records or tapes or whatever, but I know like some people call them vinyls today or LPs, but I I still call them that. So we were we were in the neighborhood of the last record store, and this is um, a historic Santa Rosa location. They sell new stuff, and they sell old stuff, and they sell records and tapes. They sell CDs, t-shirts, all kinds of stuff. I used to go there all the time. It used to be on, it was on 4th Street, and it was right next to uh, Sawyer's News, where I would get my wrestling magazines, and I would go there all the time, because... They not only sold new stuff, they sold used stuff, like I like I said in the, uh, the used stuff tends to be cheaper, so at the time, I could get, like, two tapes for the price of one tape over in Musicland. It was, like, just over the price of one tape, like a used tape, it was, like, $6.99, you know, so I, I would go over there and hit up the used rap tapes all the time, that was, that was one of the main ways I was able to get, like, a vast collection of, uh, rap tapes. But I hadn't been there in many moons. I do most of my record shopping at the flea market. I'm, like, a one or two dollar record kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a cheapy dude. I, I like to find a bargain. And I, I've been, like, slowly but surely adding to my record collection here at home. Just grabbing stuff over at the, uh, at the flea every week. I'm, uh, yeah, I'll come home with, like, one, maybe two a week. Sometimes none. But, um, you know, I'll find... I'll find, like, some country records. I got, like, a bunch of Buck Owens. I got a bunch of Merle Haggards. I, I tried to put together, like, some rock. I got some, like, The Cars and, and stuff like that. But it, it's hard to get rock records. That's what that's what everybody's looking for. And then, like, we were over there, and it occurred to me that, like, there's a record store that has, like, new records and all the good records. So we, uh, we dipped in there. And I immediately got a hit with a waft of that smell. That, uh, that smell of, like, a used bookstore, of a used record store, a used comic store. The, the dust. That lovely smell of dust hit me, and it just, it brought me back home. I, I felt so good. I was just so happy to be back in there, and, and as I... As I settled in and started looking about, I noticed they were playing one of my favorite records of all the time and all the spaces over the loudspeakers. And it's its not like a common record. I was uh, i was a bit stoked to hear this. It is uh, Mad Villainy by Mad Villain. Mad Villain's a group consisting of like an MF Doom and a Mad Lib and, uh, and somebody else. It's some like real backpack rap, you know? It's not, it's not obscure by any means, but it is like, it's a bit of a backpack rap classic and I I was like oh I can't believe it. it 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 sounds like my house it sounds like my house right now I play um my uh compact disc of this all the time I I like it a lot and I I don't know man it was neat and I you know I I, I started like looking through and at first I was looking through the rock and I'm you know I'm, I'm like seeing all kinds of neat stuff I knew that vinyl was making a comeback but I I didn't realize like to the depth that it was I kind of figured like you know hipster groups or maybe like big time groups would uh, make like a vinyl release but and um in going through I saw like just about everything like just about every new release that was interesting was in there and I you know kind of made my way around around the shop I looked at the soundtracks I like soundtrack records because you get like a movie poster on the cover and then I I found the rap section right and I I could not believe 
like the depth of the rap that has been re-released on vinyl. I saw like the Alcoholics, I saw Third Base, I saw all this, all this stuff that I really liked, and it was all about like 20, 24 bucks. That's kind of, you know, what a CD cost, so it's not like a, a big deal or anything. I, I don't know, it felt like a big deal when you're used to paying like a dollar. But you know, you gotta pay for quality, and you gotta pay to help support a local uh, business, and that's just... That's just kind of what these um these things cost. And I, I was flipping through, and I decided I was going to get one, right? I'm like, I'm going to get one, but I don't know what I don't know what I'm going to get. And I, I looked around, and then I, uh, I came across Public Enemy. And Public Enemy is, like, my favorite rap group of all the time in space. I... I, uh, I kind of I go back and forth on this. Forth. Sometimes it's EPMD, other times it's like A Tribe Called Quest, and then other times it's like the Wu-Tang. But then I, I go and I think, it has to be Run DMC. Run DMC is the best. They, they created so many of the things that became Golden Age hip-hop. But then, then I kind of settle in and I go, it's Public Enemy. They, they just made the craziest, most uh, high-tech sounding uh, music at the time. And then... You know, I'm going through the PE records, and I'm just like, I'm going to get one. And I I noticed they had a copy of It Takes a, a Nation of Millions to hold us back. And I said, I'm going to get this one. It was open, which was which was kind of kind of neat because it was uh, like half the price. It was like 14 bucks. It had a, has uh, like a 3D, like a hologram cover. What, what do they call that? Like it's a, a lenticular cover of like all the PE guys, you know, Chuck D, Flavor Flav. Terminator X, Professor Griff, the S1Ws, all in like glorious 3D. But I, I, w- I was kind of torn between this and a, a couple other Public Enemy records, you know. But I, I decided this would be the one I'd go with because it was like ten dollars cheaper. And I'm a cheapskate at heart, so uh, I went up and I, I paid for it. I could still hear the, um, you know, the MF uh, Mad Villainy rather in the background that I. I'm like, this is like, this is so good. I talked to the dude who was working there for a minute. I'm like, man, this, um, this is a great record, dude. I, I'm a little, uh, surprised to hear this in here. And he's like, yeah, you know, we like, uh, mix it up, blah, 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 you know? And I, I bought my record and I went off on my way. It was also like a, like a really, really, really hot day that day. And I, I couldn't bear to leave it in the car and maybe get it, get it warped. So I had to, I carried it with me when I went to Big Lots. I carried it with me when I went to Barnes & Noble. I carried it with me over at the uh, auto parts store where we had to stop in. I'm just like walking around with this Public Enemy record in one hand, like a like a real real dork. But like the whole time, this uh, Mad Villainy record was like ringing in my head, and I'm thinking, you should have bought that one. You should have bought that. It was also used, and it was the same price, and it it feels more feels more obscure. You know, like you're uh, less likely to get it when they already have like two copies of the one you bought. It was really, like, ringing in my head, but we had to, we had to go pick up the kid. But, like, the whole time, this record was weighing on my mind. I was hearing it, like, in my sleep. I'm like, you should have bought it. You should have bought it. So, first thing the next day, we headed back over to the record shop, and I went right to the new arrivals, where I saw it before, and it wasn't there. And I decided I'd go over to the rap section thinking maybe, you know, maybe they filed it away. And I, I went through there and it wasn't in there. They did have a new copy. But I, I'm going through it and I, I'm thinking they must have sold it. And I, I don't know. I, I, I started thinking the worst and I'm telling the wife, I think they sold it. We should have bought it. I'm so bummed. But lesson learned, you know, you snooze, you lose. And she goes, I'm going to ask the guy. 
I'm gonna ask him. He knows everything that's in here. So she goes up to dude and she goes, hey, do you have this uh, MF Doom record? That's what that's what she said instead of Mad Villain. She's like, do you have this MF Doom record? And he goes, no, we uh we played it yesterday and and somebody bought it. They bought it right off the turntable. And I I'm thinking they played it again. That's how awesome it was. They played it. They played something else. And then after I left, they played it again and somebody bought it. And I went, no in my head and my wife could um she could see the pain on my face she could see it so she's like let me buy you this let me buy you the new one i i can see it's important to you let me get it so she bought it for me she's a great wife it's all happily ever after but um the lesson that we learned listen to your gut listen to what it says buy what it says you snooze you lose let's go into at the movies Following in the footsteps of Ebert, Siskel, and even that dude named Roper, it's At The Movies with IC Robots. Movies everywhere are raving about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Rolling Stone says it's pure cinema pow. Time Magazine declares DiCaprio and Pitt are marvelous together. Here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh. Esquire proclaims it's Tarantino's masterpiece. What a picture. Good picture. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Rated R. I uh, just got back from seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Homeboy has promised he's only going to do ten. So this makes this the, uh, the pen ultimate. I... I don't know. I, I think he'll wind up making more, but with uh with a promise like that looming overhead, we do have to we do have to savor every one that came out and uh comes out. And this is uh this is definitely one to savor. I liked this a lot. I don't want to I don't want to give too much away. I want you to go in and I want you to see it. I want you to enjoy it without um without knowing a lot. We we all know that it is um kind of some way about the Manson family. We know that it's about an actor played by Leonardo DiCaprio and his um his stuntman friend Brad Pitt. But beyond that, there isn't there isn't like a ton known. This is a a real uh, typical star-studded uh, Tarantino cast. You got you got Brad Pitt and Leo working together for the first time. You got Margot Robbie. You got um, uh, Emile Hirsch. You have I don't know, man. There are just like so many people in this. Lena Dunham is in it. Al Pacino has a cameo. This is um, this is like literally like a star-studded cast. Kurt Russell. It's um, it's just like wall-to-wall faces that you recognize. But that is, um, that's something that you come to expect from a Tarantino movie because I think, like, I think everybody wants to work with the dude. Why wouldn't you? He, um, he makes careers, you know? He made, he made Uma Thurman. He, uh, brought John Travolta back. He, um, he's a star maker, man. He is a taste maker. Like I said a minute ago, I liked this movie a lot. I thought it was great. I thought it was just really, really fantastic. I I like the interplay between Leo and between Brad Pitt. I I can see them being like buddies in real life. They they had like a real nice camaraderie. I'm trying to think what I can give away 
without giving away too much. I don't want to blow it. I want you to. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to go in. I want you to go in cold, kind of, um, kind of like I did. I think. I think that's the best way to enjoy a movie. Try not to look further than what you get in like the, uh, in the commercials and stuff. Sometimes trailers do give too much away, but it's it, it's best to it's best to just go in and not know what to expect. The movie is set, I believe, in 1969, and uh, it focuses on Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who is an actor in movie and TV westerns. And as you know, like the the hippie culture gets a hold of everything, and things are things are starting to change. Westerns are becoming like less and less relevant, and he's becoming less and less relevant, and he's. You know, he's struggling with that. It would be something that we would, would all struggle with. The the feeling that the world doesn't love us anymore. The feeling that the world doesn't need us anymore. And he's he's trying to do what he can to, um you know, to hold on to whatever whatever relevance he has. And his his uh, best pal stuntman, Brad Pitt, is along the... He's along the journey with him. And they're both... They're both just trying to hang on. They're both just trying to hold on to a world that is changing. The The movie got me thinking that I, I bet this is how Quentin Tarantino feels in the in the age of, like, you know, Me Too and in the age of more more inclusive movies. A guy who... A guy who made his career making, like, ultra-violent, um, some would call racist, some would call sexist, like, grindhouse movies. He probably, he probably feels less and less relevant. But I, I look at it like this. I, I definitely want things to be inclusive. I want everybody to feel like they're involved. I want everybody to feel like they're part of things. But there, there is going to be things out there that aren't for you. That's just, that's just the nature of art. People make their art and not everything is going to be to your taste. I, I myself am not like a giant fan of rom-coms. I'm not a fan of a lot of genres and that's, you know, that's cool, man. They make all these like, uh, real religious movies and movies from different perspectives and that's cool man make movies for everybody make movies from all kinds of different viewpoints it's not like every single thing has to be for every single person if you don't like it go see something else go check out something else i get it man that's all good but i i can see how how tarantino might be might be struggling with the uh with the direction of the world today. And I do think, like, you know, overall, it is a good direction. I definitely want people to feel included, and I want people to feel safe, and I want people to be happy. But, you know, like I said, not all art is for every person. And I understand that Tarantino isn't, like, necessarily to everybody's taste. But he is he is a terrific director, and this was a, this was a terrific movie. I, I can't say that enough. I liked it a lot. It's long. It is just under three hours. But I think when you go see a Quentin movie, you gotta expect it, like... You're going to be in it for the long haul. We went to see this one on a um, on a Sunday night, which is, that's not the norm. I'm kind of like a Monday morning movie type, or like Sunday morning movie type. I like to go when, when it's less crowded, so I can get like a quieter, more enjoyable experience. But um, when we went to see, when we went to see this, the theater was packed. This movie had a really good opening, and sitting like right next to us was... Three or, I think, four, like, older people. I'm guessing they were maybe, like, in their 60s or even even early 70s. And, and throughout the movie, like, every time a some kind of reference to an older day would appear on the screen, they'd be like, do you remember Mannix? I used to watch Mannix. And they'd be like, that's Charlie Manson. Do you remember Charlie Manson? That's Squeaky Fromm. Do you remember Squeaky Fromm? And they were, like, saying this at, like, full conversational tone. Not like normal whisper. We all like to talk a little in the movies, but you 
to kind of whisper like this. And you do that as a way to show respect to the other people in there. They were doing it like full on conversational tone. They were blasting it out. And I, I don't know. I wanted to see this movie super bad. This was one of my most anticipated movies of the summer. I love a Tarantino flick. I love it. And I wanted to see it. So I had no choice but to kind of, to kind of lean over and go, Hey, do you guys mind? You're talking, you're talking a bit loud. And the guy looked over at me, goes, what? I'm talking. And I go, yeah, you're just a little loud. Can you, can you keep it down just a little bit? And he goes, I'm talking to my wife. And I go, exactly. That's exactly what you're doing. And I, I was trying to be really polite. I am the good cop. The wife is the bad cop. I'm, I'm more, I'm more able to be like charmingly polite, like falsely charmingly polite. And she doesn't mind having ugly conversations. And she just like, she leans in her head in front of me and goes, can you guys be quiet? And they looked at her like she was crazy and they were quiet for the whole rest of the time. So I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes the bad cop wins. Let's see what they're saying about this on Tomatoes right now. We're going to, we're going to head over there and we're going to check it out. It's going to be great. We're going to find what Tomatoes says. We're waiting for it to load right now. The internet appears terrible, man. We got... We got Commodore 64s. I am honestly surprised we even get the uh, get the internet up here, to be honest with you. Right now, right now the movie is at 84%, which means 8.4 out of every 10 people who saw this movie liked it. That's, that's pretty good, but the, uh, I actually clicked on the wrong movie here. Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The movie made... The movie made $40 million opening weekend. I just clicked on the wrong movie again. Don't you hate it when things are, like, loading really, really slowly? And, like, as you click, it um it goes to something else. Okay, so right now, it's 84% with the critics, but only 71% with the peeps. That's a, that's a widely um, different opinion there. I... I do see this as kind of something more for, like, the critical movie viewer as opposed to, like, the uh, the casual movie viewer. It's 159 minutes. It's long. It has a strong graphic violence. The end scene of this movie is, without a doubt, one of the most violent scenes I have ever seen in a movie. It may have been the most violent movie scene I've ever seen in my life. And I, I don't mind watching violent movies, but man, I gotta say, if you're if you're triggered by this kind of stuff, you're definitely, definitely, definitely going to uh, have to be alert that when it gets toward the end, you are going to be shocked. So, with all that said, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter, with one being a dud... And five being an all-time classic. I'm going to go ahead and give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a stupendous 4.5 4. mics. 4.5 mics. The Jeffersons, Alice, and Trapper John M.D. will return next Sunday at their regular times on most of these stations. This week on the show, Ainsley Robot is going to run down his soft arcade with Quentin Tarantino movies of all the times. All right, it is me, it is your dude, and I am back. I uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while. I uh, I really like Quentin Tarantino. I think we all like Quentin Tarantino to some degree. But before we before we get like too far into this, I I want to be like really clear. What I'm doing here is I am listing my 
top five favorite Quentin Tarantino flicks of all the times and all the space. I I don't want to go ahead and do a list of the ones that are the best. I, I, I think that that's all, like, really subjective. So what I want to do is just, like, list the ones that if I see them on cable... I'm going to stop. These are the ones that I enjoy the most. These are the ones that I dig on the hardest. I, I've been a Tarantino fan for years. The first Tarantino I saw was Pulp Fiction. For whatever reason, I don't think that Reservoir Dogs played around my region. And if it did, I didn't even know it. And I was pretty deep into the uh, theater game at the time. And I feel like if it, um, if it would have... I would have seen it, but, um, when Pulp Fiction came out, man, that, um, that movie was a, uh, sensation. I've, I've talked about it previously. It's in the, it's in the Five Mike Movie Hall of Fame. I, I fell in love with, uh, Tarantino from, from that time on, and I'll, I'll go and see anything he puts out opening weekend. It's like a, it's like a must for me. I dig the gritty dialogue. I, I dig the soundtracks. I, I just, I don't know, man. I dig the whole, I dig the whole vibe of it. I, I don't know, man. I am just like a huge mark for Quentin Tarantino. I, I like the, uh, I like the idea that he started off as, like, a, um, like a video store employee, and he took the, uh, he took the access to all the videos, and he turned that into, you know, just, like, a film library in his head, and I like how he took that library and he expanded on it and, and made a, made a career. The guy is, he's definitely one of the most talented director, writer types out there. I, I just dig his vibe, man, and, um, I don't know, without, uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's see what's number five! Number five. Let's do it! From director Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> So what's your name? Stuntman Mike. How fast do you like it? Get ready to fly. How hot can you take it? She sure is a striking looking woman. My number five Tarantino movie of all the times and spaces is a movie known as Death Proof. It played as part of a double bill, a double bill called Grindhouse with uh, Robert Rodriguez's zombie movie that the name of it, the name of it escapes me at the time, but we're not, we're not talking about Bobby Rodriguez, even though that would be cool because he is also amazingly awesome. But this was the, uh, this was the second movie in the Grindhouse deal. I thought that was really fun. I went to see that at the theater, and while it was like, while it was like 15 hours long, it was really neat. They played the movie, then they played some, like, fake trailers. I think the one for, uh, Eli Roth Thanksgiving was, uh, particularly great. Rob Zombie had, like, some kind of, like, Nazi movie in there. That was, like, a lot of fun. I think, at its heart, Death Proof is a driving movie, and I, I love a driving movie, man. This one, it tells the story of, a serial killer... Stuntman Mike. Big shout out to show patron Stuntman Mike, who, um, what he does is, like, he, uh, he makes his cars, I guess you would say, death-proof. You know, he rigs them up like a stunt car, then he gets gals in it, and he crashes them on purpose, and they, they die, he lives, he goes on. What, uh, what keeps this movie from getting a better rating is it has, like, this really long opening scene where we're introduced to Stuntman Mike, and you, um, you see him do his, uh, Stuntman Mike gimmick, and he, he kills a gal. But then, once the movie really gets going, and it becomes, like, this amazing car chase between, uh, Stuntman Mike and Rosario Dawson. Stuntman Mike is played by Kurt Russell. I should probably go over the, uh, cast. You got, uh, Kurt Russell, Rosario Dawson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it. I, 
I think this one's a lot of fun. It's um, it's really short, which I think is neat. Zoe Bell, the amazing stunt woman Zoe Bell is in it. I would I would go as far as to say Zoe Bell is uh the star of the movie. Once it once the the joint really starts jumping off, what you have is um Zoe Bell is hanging off the hood of a car while they're being chased by stuntman Mike. I I don't know the driving and the stunts in this are just. They are above reproach. Zoe Bell is amazing. From what I understand, she's really, like, really using two belts to hold on to the the front of the car. And I don't know. It's just phenomenal to me. The movie is, like, all action. Once it gets going, it is just action. Just, just really, really neat. I think that it's cool to see Tarantino, who's, like, he's known for his complex stories and his wordy dialogue, it's neat to see him doing something different. Something like, just, you know, it's mainly focused on the one scene. It's focused on the one car chase between Stuntman Mike and Rosario Dawson and the gal. From what I understand about it, when they did this grindhouse gimmick, they wanted it to um, be like an authentic double bill. And Tarantino made the movie, and then he went in... And he cut it down because traditionally these movies will get edited down a lot from their original, um, you know, the original, the original cut as a way to like get more showings in per day and make more money. So he chopped it up a ton himself. And the, the only way you can see the original version is in the, in the theater, the DVD releases, the Blu-ray releases are all the, uh, the longer cut. So it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat to think that you're rewarded by, um, you know, sitting through that uh, 17-hour uh, grindhouse and you get to see in the, uh, in like the shortened glory, you know? Not everything needs to be like the extended director cut. Some things are kind of fun in the uh, the cut-down director's cut. This movie's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's not one of, I don't think it's one of Tarantino's more popular movies, you know? I don't see it on cable as much as I... As much as I see Pulp or Jackie Brown or Kill Bill, I think Kill Bill is the one I, I absolutely see the most. Bravo seems to have that on, like, an unlimited loop. But, uh, there you go. Death Proof number five. Let's jump ahead and see what's number four. Number four. Hear your name. Mr. White. If you get a customer or an employee who thinks she's Charles Bronson, take the butt of your gun and smash their nose in Mr. Blunt. If they hadn't done what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive. Mr. Orange. Yeah, yeah, she killed me, man. Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool-sounding name. Up next on the list of Quentin Tarantino movies is a movie that goes by the name of Reservoir Dogs. I don't know what that means. I have no idea. I've heard a few different stories over the years. I don't know if any of them are true. None of them are, none of them are like all that interesting either. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not really gonna, I'm not gonna delve into that. But the idea behind Reservoir Dogs is it is a tale of a, of a heist gone wrong. it is a team of crooks put together by a by a crime boss who are all going in to rob a jewelry store and everything goes wrong that can possibly go wrong. It was uh, Tarantino's first ever feature film. He he had written a couple movies previously, but this was like the first one. That he was behind all by himself. The movie has the, uh, it has the, uh, 
snappy dialogue. It has the violence. It has a lot of the Tarantino players like Harvey Keitel, Steve uh, Buscemi, Michael Madsen, you know, the, the normal guys that our guy Quentin works with. I like this movie a lot. Out of all the Tarantino movies, this one, you know, being the first, has the, uh, like the smallest scope. At points, it, it kind of plays like a, like a play, like you're watching it. There are scenes inside of a warehouse that, uh, they could be shot on a, uh, you know, on, on a stage. It's like a stage play. This movie is really great. I went ahead and I watched this again the other day because it had been a while since I'd seen it. It's not one that's in uh, as regular cable rotation as a lot of the other uh, Tarantino classics. And I I wanted to, you know, I wanted to delve into it and see how I felt now having not seen it in a while. And the movie, the movie is great. There are a lot of terrific scenes. There's the one where Steve Buscemi talks about why um he doesn't want to tip. There's the one where uh Michael Madsen does a number on a guy's ear. It It's just really great. I, I kind of prefer the Tarantino crime epics, and this is a... Uh, this is a good one, man. When this came out, it really, it really hinted at what Tarantino was gonna do in the future. You know, it, it gave us a hint. It gave us a hint of how great things were gonna be for our dude, Quentin Tarantino. It, uh, it also introduced us to the Tarantino gimmick of non-linear storytelling. You, you see one part and then you go back and you, you like, you, um, check it out from the perspective of a different character. That, that's a mainstay of a Tarantino script, and we, we see it, um, we see it first here. Empire Magazine has called this the greatest independent film of all time, and I, I can't say that I disagree. It is really like a masterpiece that came out during the, uh, the heyday of, uh, indie film. The movie, the movie made 2.8 million at the box office against a budget of, uh, 1.2 million. So it, it, you know, it more than doubled the money and the video. It was an amazing success. I was at the, uh, at the Bradley video at the time. And this was, um, this was one of our most popular rentals, especially after Pulp Fiction came out. After, uh, Pulp, everybody wanted to go back and check out Quentin Tarantino's first. I, I could say a million nice things about this movie. It's great. It has all the fun Quentin Tarantino stuff. Dialogue, violence, good acting, interesting scenarios. It's, it's awesome. And it really, it really says a lot about the work of Quentin Tarantino that this movie isn't, like, the best movie he's ever made. You know, it's the first one he's ever made. And, man, it would be in just about every filmmaker's pantheon of movies. It would be their best one that says a lot about uh, Quentin Tarantino. Let's uh, let's move forward and see what's next. Number three. I am quite the professional in an exclusive industry, and we all work for this man, Bill. But when I tried to get out, they did me in. So I suppose it's a little late for an apology, huh? You suppose correctly. Hi. You have every right to want to get even. Get even? Even, Stephen? I would have to kill you. That'd be about square. Kill Bill. Rated R. In theaters on October 7th. The next movie up on the list is the first part of Tarantino's epic Kill Bill saga. This is the movie known as Kill Bill Volume 1. I... 
I got to admit to you guys, I get a little mixed up on which one is which. So in case you also do, I will, um, I'll try to break it down a little bit. This is the one with the giant fight at the end between Uma Thurman's The Bride and the uh, Crazy 88s. This is the one that has that awesome scene with uh, Hitori Hanzo who was played by the legendary Sonny Chiba. I I love this movie a lot. Anytime I see it on cable, and I I see it a lot. It, it, it feels like it's, like, always playing. I'll always check out a little bit of this. I, I turn it on in hopes that it's near the uh, the big fight with the crazy 88s. And even... Even if it's not, it, it's always at, like, a good part, because this is just about all good parts. I like this a lot. I I did not, um, I didn't see it at the theater when it came out. This was, um, early in the, uh, youth of, uh, 2.0, and we, we weren't going to the movies a lot, and when we were, we were, um, checking out things like the, uh, like the Smurfs, you know, or, like, the Chipmunks, we... We would have to bring her along, is what I'm saying. So we didn't, um, we didn't get to, uh, see this in its, uh, big screen glory. It wasn't until many moons later we, uh, rented it on, um, on DVD and checked it out. But man, this is an amazing movie. I like it. I, I like Uma Thurman as much as the uh, next guy. Don't get me wrong. But it, I didn't, I didn't fall in love with Uma until this one came out. When, when she puts on the yellow and black Bruce Lee suit and she's sword fighting against all these guys, it's absolutely amazing. It's just, uh, it's one of the, uh, one of the best scenes of all the time and all the spaces. While we're, uh, while we're, you know, kind of. On the topic of that uh, yellow and black Bruce Lee bodysuit that she wears, Asics. Normally, I wear Sauconies. I like the Saucony Jazz. That's my preferred shoe. But I, I do, from time to time, get some uh, Asics. I like I like the Mexico sixty eight. They're like a real like a like a sleek running shoe, and they. They have a yellow and black version, just like the ones that she's wearing in the movie. And while we all know Bruce Lee, the dragon, the master of Jeet Kune Do, was the uh, first guy to wear these. I want these shoes something awful. And the reason I want them is to be like the bride. I want to be like Beatrix Kiddo. She is, she's amazing, man. I, I love that character. Let's, um... Let's get some of the details of the movie. It came out in 2003. It stars Uma Thurman as the bride who swears revenge on a team of assassins. Lucy Liu, Michael Madsen, Daryl Hannah, and Vivica A. Fox. There is, there's an awesome fight scene in this movie between her and Vivica A. Fox. It's great. They're like, they're like knife fighting in her kitchen when her daughter comes in. I, I don't know, dude. This movie is above a reproach. It is magnificent. It gets the uh, kissy fingers. That's that's a real high regard for me. I I don't know. I just I love it so much. I dig it a lot. And I'm not I'm not necessarily the kind of cat who goes for like the uh, the chop sake movies. I'm not big into like Run Run Shaw and that like Wu Tang stuff. And speaking of the Wu, the RZA has some songs on here that are absolutely amazing. I. I don't know. What can I say? This movie, this movie will more than likely be in the Five Mike Movie Hall of Fame someday. And I guess, I guess by saying that, I am assuring that it will be. So I, I don't know. It, 
It deserves it. And to be honest, we we just did Reservoir Dogs, and that movie probably deserves to be in the Five Mike Movie Hall of Fame. They are they are both above reproach. Let's see what the what they say about this. Right now, it is ninety four percent over on Rotten Tomatoes. I I can't imagine what these um six percent of the people out there who saw this and don't like it. I can't even imagine what it would take to please them. This this has everything on it. So, man, with all that said, you know that the next two movies, if they're better than this, they have to be phenomenal. Let's uh, let's jump ahead and find out what they are. Number two. Critics and audiences are calling Pulp Fiction the motion picture event of the year. It's electrifying and exhilarating. John Travolta, very sexy. He's back. He's He's back. Pulp Fiction is a knockout. Great. Movie to take a date to. Yummy. Bruce Willis. Whoa, baby. The cast is spectacular. It's very, very funny. (laughs) One of the great rides of recent cinema. This is an event. That's a bold statement. Pulp Fiction, rated R. Yeah, Pulp Fiction is my second favorite Quentin Tarantino movie of all the time in space. This movie is terrific. I don't know what I can say about it that, like, hasn't been said before. I know you've seen it. You've probably seen it a hundred thousand times. I myself have maybe seen it, like, one hundred million times. I don't know if that's even, even possible, but I know that I have seen it, like, many, many, many times. Pulp Fiction came out in, uh, 1994, and at the time, it was, it was such a sensation. The movie was gigantic. The, the theater that it played in around here was the Cottingtown Cinema in the Cottingtown Mall. It's now a, uh, Michael's, and at the time, the theater was, like, on the verge of being shut down, and they, they sent Pulp over there, not knowing how big it would be. And the movie was, the movie was so gigantic that it kept the theater open for many, many years. I, I recall at one time it was playing at three theaters at once over at Cottingtown. This movie was, it was gigantic. I, I don't know how to describe the plot. It's like many different, um intertwined stories about like various crooks and criminals doing like crooks and criminals things around around Los Angeles it stars John Travolta Ving Rhames the lovely Uma Thurman Bruce Willis Sam Jackson Harvey Keitel Quentin himself is in it it is it's just dynamite. It has that um, non-linear storytelling method that we all we all know and love from Tarantino. Another thing that it has is an amazing soundtrack. I have the uh, CD of this, and I I play it all the time. I'm not like the biggest guy as far as like surf guitar, so I kind of. I kind of skipped those, but it has, like, so many great songs on it. That's something that uh, Tarantino is definitely known for, his soundtracks. I I think out of all of them, my favorite is probably Reservoir Dogs. I like the, I like the Stephen Wright soundbites that are throughout the whole thing. But, um, Pulp, man, it's a, uh, close second. It's really, like, a, a dynamite soundtrack. Quentin, man, he, he knows his music. I, I don't know what that I can say about it. I, I know that I, I said that earlier, but over the years, there have been so many words written, and so many thoughts have been thought, and so many thoughts have been spoken about the greatness that is Pulp Fiction, that I, I don't know what I, what I can 
offer. When I when I saw this, I was absolutely blown away. I remember going to Kiting Town and seeing it after after so many people had told me how great it was that I that I saw it and I didn't know what to make of it. I remember being blown away, but I also remember that I was not confused, but I, w- I was taken aback by the uh, the nonlinear storytelling method. I hadn't seen that before. I'm not saying that it hadn't been done before. What I'm saying is I hadn't seen it before, and it really it really did a number on me. I, I had to check it out like uh, again here after I saw it the first time. It was great. Um, when I when I first started dating the wife, she had the poster for it on the wall, the famous one with Uma Thurman, the original. I wish I still had it today. Over the years, she tossed it out. We were both in the theater game, so posters, they didn't mean as much to us as they should have. We could we could get up on almost anyone we wanted, and we did, and at times we both had great collections that we just kind of discarded. I, I would give, like, not necessarily like an arm and a leg or a finger or a toe, but I, I might give a lock of hair. I might give, um, I don't know, a wisdom tooth to have that poster back. It's it's an expensive one. I've seen the original go for like five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars online, and the one she had was cool because it was it was rolled. This was um, the era where they would still fold movie posters, and for whatever reason, it arrived at the theater rolled, so it didn't have the uh, have decreases. But what it did have was pinholes in the corners, and that. That did kind of detract from the value, but it kind of adds to the uh, the overall quality because you know it was in you know it was in somebody's bedroom. You know, um, this movie is the one that brought John Travolta back into the limelight. That is a Tarantino gimmick. He'll take people who um, maybe have fallen out of the limelight, but still have a lot left, and he'll bring it back. He did the same for Robert Forrester. He did the same for you know Pam Greer. He did the same for Harvey Keitel. To a degree, and in this one, he brought back Travolta, and after, you know, dancing in Jackrabbit Slims, Travolta ended up becoming one of the biggest movie stars in the world for many, many, many years after. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is a thing that happened. I, I don't know. I've run out of things to say about Pulp Fiction. I think it's time that we move ahead and we see what movie I could like more than this one that is in the Five Mike Movie Hall of Fame already. Let's, uh, let's jump ahead and check it out! Yeah, I do not feel like this is a big surprise. My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie of all the times is Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown came out in 1997. It is a crime film that stars Pam Greer and Robert Forrester, as well as uh, Sam Jackson and Robert De Niro. It was adapted from an Elmore Leonard book. I think that it was uh, called Rum Diary. I, I've never read it. Wait, the Rum Diary is not the name of the book. That's the name of um, my my good friend Sarah's boyfriend's ex-band. I... What is the name of the book? Let's uh, let's hop online really quick. Rum Punch. That's what it's called. Rum Punch. I apologize to the Rum Diary. I I don't know, man. I I've been doing this for a while in a row right now, and I'm I'm starting to get a bit woozy. I I love Jackie Brown. I love it. I think it's great. Every time it's on, I watch it. I I love Pam Greer. 
I love Robert Forrester. I love Bridget Fonda in this. I think that Bridget Fonda is amazing in just about everything she's ever been in. And I don't know why she's not in like every movie that comes out now. This is a crime story. Like I already said, it is a tale of a gal played by Pam Greer, who is, um, she's kind of put in between a rock and a hard place by the uh, FBI, by an FBI agent played by, uh, Michael Keaton, the worst Batman that there's ever been. But in this one, he's a pretty good FBI agent. And he, um, he kind of gets her in a pickle to where she has no choice but to betray her boss, played by uh, Sam Jackson. But she, but she goes for Delph. She goes for Dolo in this and, uh, tries to get up on the money herself. But it's, uh, it's not as easy as that. This is one of the few Tarantino movies that has a, uh, linear like a linear storytelling method, and I don't know, man, I think maybe that made it, like, easier for me to, uh, watch and enjoy, just, I, I'll check it out every time it's on, I'll watch at least, like, a few minutes, I think this movie is great, I was lucky enough to meet Robert Forrester at a screening of this that they had at, uh, the downtown theater here in Santa Rosa, and dude was great, dude was so nice, he was standing there in sweatpants with a giant soda, and he was nice enough to talk to me, he was nice enough to like take some time out of his day and talk to your dude, like I was just, like I was like a good friend of his, he was really great, I, I first discovered him in this movie, of course he's had like, he's had an amazing career, the dude is for sure a Hollywood Hall of Famer, but this was, this was the first one that I saw him in, and I absolutely fell in love with the dude, I'll, I'll see anything he's in, the same goes for Pam Greer, this was, this was not the first Pam Greer that I saw, I'd seen Coffee, I'd seen some of her exploitation stuff, and I, I liked it, but, um, when she came back, I, I fell in love with her, man, she's also a Hollywood Hall of Famer, she's great, this movie's amazing, the wife loves it too, this is one, this is one that, like, we kind of bonded on. To be honest, we both had, like, our sincere love for this movie, and we, like, loved the, uh, romance that takes place between Forrester and Greer, and we, we have, like, a special place in our heart for that, and, um, that's why, that's why I think the movie is number one. I don't know if it's necessarily the best, but it is the one that means the most to me, and that, that's something that, uh, you know, that counts a lot, man. Sentimentality counts a lot when you're, when you're making a list. This was, this was, I believe, the second movie to ever go into the Five Mike Movie Hall of Fame. The first being, uh, The Big Lebowski, the great, uh, uh the great Big Lebowski. But then, like, soon after, we, we got this one. And I guess soon enough, we're gonna see, uh, Kill Bill in there as well. I, I don't know, man. There you have it. My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie of all the time and all the spaces is a movie that goes by the name of Jackie Brown. Let's, uh, move into the final segment of the show. You've done the impossible and made it to the final segment of the show. This is the part where I see robots talks about stuff you bought, saw, or was thinking about. It's pretty random. All right, it is me, and we have done it. We have made it to the final segment. That's a uh, that's an important one. This is like the this is the odds and ends of the show. You know, this is where we talk about like I don't know different things going on, different things that are happening. She just. She just said it all for me, and I um I want to appreciate that fact. Uh, with with Toys R Us closing, I I kind of fell into a toy funk. You know, I didn't have anywhere to to go look, anywhere to go check out, and I was I was a bit bummed. I started uh picking up some things on eBay and different places like that, but um I I kind of sat down and I I put some thought into it and I thought when when a hunter's 
hunting ground goes dry, what he must do is uh, expand the circle outward. You know, you got to start making the hunting ground a lot bigger. And I kind of decided that was what I should do. And I I thought, what are the places around here that have toys? And what would be, what would be like a possible way to hit them all up? And I, I broke it down and I went out on Sunday and did some toy hunting by looking around all the, all the different places in my region that would have a toy section, big or small. I I first went to Target. Target is now, in my mind, the toy kingpin, and the Target on Santa Rosa Avenue is the is the biggest one around here as far as toys go. The one in Cottingtown, they got some stuff too, but not not quite as much as the one on um Santa Rosa Avenue. So I hit up there and I I've been looking a lot at these uh, WWE retros by Mattel. They're like the old uh, WWF Hasbros. The, I think they're like three, maybe four inches tall, hard plastic uh, wrestling dudes. They, they have been reimagined by Mattel as retros. And they're bringing some of the, some of the new WWE dudes into the uh, Hasbro style fold. You got like, um, like a Dean Ambrose. John Moxley, you got like AJ Styles, there's a Brock Lesnar, there's a Roman Reigns, I, I'm into these, they've also, um, released some older dudes who didn't get Hasbro releases, like the Junkyard Dog, like the Iron Sheik, I haven't, I haven't seen those on the shelf, but I've been, I've been looking around, and I, I hit up the Target there, and I, it didn't, um, come up on any of those that I wanted. They had, I think, like, I think they had AJ and Seth Rollins. I considered buying AJ, but I, I don't know, as much as I, I think he's great, and as much as I like him, I'm not sure I need, like, an action figure of him. He doesn't, he doesn't connect with me in that way. So then from there, we went down to the, um, we kind of, we kind of headed toward the other target, and, um, on the way there... We hit the mall, the downtown Santa Rosa Plaza, and I I went to GameStop. I saw that my dude Rob from ZoneBase.org, he was over there the other day, not mine, you know, the one where he lives, and he he picked up a uh, Transformer that he'd been looking for, a, um, like a, it's like an Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. It looked pretty cool. I'm glad, I'm glad he found it. It was a bit pricey, you know, but, um, you know, good things cost, you know, high quality cost. That's just the, uh. The way of the world. So I saw him doing that, and I said, I'll do that too. And I got up over there, and I didn't I didn't find that one that he found. I don't think I saw any Transformers at all, but they they had some wrestling dudes. I saw, like, Honky Tonk Man, and I saw uh, Shawn Michaels, or Rockers Shawn Michaels. They had a bunch of, like, video game toys and stuff too, but they, they actually had a lot of cool stuff there. Not anything, like, that I necessarily wanted. A lot of, like, Funko Pops and stuff like that, but it was... It was a moderate-sized toy section. I was, I was pleased. And then, um, while still in the mall, we went to, uh, Hot Topic. I don't go to Hot Topic a lot. The kid goes to Hot Topic. I have, I've dipped in there a couple times in the past. They sell, uh, like, wrestling shirts, and I, I don't know. They do have, like, a cool thing here and there inside there. So I, I'm not gonna avoid it, um, completely. And we, we dipped in, and I, I looked around. They have mostly, like, um, Funko stuff as well. But, uh, one of the, uh, Funko things they had there was something that really tickled my fancy, and I actually bought it. They had a breakfast cereal with Elvira on the box, and inside the box was a little bitty pop of Elvira. I love Elvira, the mistress of the dark. This is, 
this is a known thing. And while I don't like pops, the options for Elvira action figures are, they're few and far between. You know, I wouldn't mind like an Elvira Mego or an Elvira reaction or anything, even like a more detailed one, you know, like a Marvel Legend style Elvira. That would be, that would be dope. But um, as of now, it seems like pop is the only way you're going to get her. And the cereal was only $5. I bought it. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I got it. I did open it up and get out the pop. It's really small. It's like two inches tall. It's really, um, really cute. I put it on the, uh, on one of the shelves in the living room, kind of like in the corner. Like if you're poking around in there and you, you kind of dig deep, you'll see her and it's a neat surprise. But I took the box out and I put it with the, uh, with the Halloween stuff. One of the things that was cool, the pop was packaged outside the cereal. You didn't have to dig around in the cereal to get it. I can see how, how they might do that to give you like a more authentic experience. You know, the experience of like having to actually like literally dig around in the box to uh, pull the thing out. But they... They put it on the outside, just in case you wanted to get it, but you didn't want to rot the cereal. So I took it, and I put it with the Halloween stuff. And when Halloween comes around, I'll whip that out, and it'll it'll be neat. I also went to the Disney store. They had some cool stuff in there, a lot of, a lot of Star Wars stuff. Um, They have, like, these, this line of, like, they're almost, like, animated-style uh, Star Wars figures. I didn't get any, but they had, like, Luke Skywalker and Rey and... Uh, Princess Leia, they are actually pretty cool, and I would consider getting one, but I, I did not. I'm always operating on like a tight toy budget, you know. If I if I splurge, I, I feel bad. I don't I don't know. I have the money. I just uh I I like to control it, you know. It's not what you make; it's what you save, you know. Remember that's a that's a key component of a uh, life. But um, I went through there, and then we we left the mall. I think I actually got a smoothie before we left, but, um, we, we dipped out of the mall, and we headed down toward the other Target, and on the way there, we went to Big Lots, Big Lots, formerly McFrugal's over on Santa Rosa Avenue, and I, I hit up their toys, they, they actually had some neat stuff too, believe it or not, apologies for saying actually so many times in a row, but, um, I, I saw the, uh, DC Imagine X, you know, these are the one, like, they're, they're smaller, they're for, they're for children, they're equivalent to, like, a Playmobil, like a little bit more detailed Playmobil, and they're they're made of out of a different material, but it's kind of kind of in that vein. They make a lot of superheroes and Power Rangers. They're they're pretty neat, to be honest. I only have a couple. I have a Batgirl and a Catwoman, and I have a Batman. They're they're cool, but I saw the uh, Swamp Thing. I I like seriously considered buying it. I really did. They came in a two pack, and the the one that was packed with it was kind of like a like a jungle version of the Batman. I didn't really go for that. If he was packaged with, like, some other monster or somebody, I may, I may have gone for it. It's possible, but I don't know. It was eight ninety nine. That's not, that's not bad, but when you know you're going to buy it, toss the other one in a bin, you know, without even, like, looking at it. It's, um, it becomes one Imaginext for eight ninety nine, and that's not, you know, that's not, um, not a bargain. They had some, uh, WWE clearance, too. I saw Ronda, Ronda Rousey. I saw the, uh... What do these guys call? I always, I always forget their names. That tag team that got called up from uh, NXT. They were managed by Paul Ellering, the authors of Pain. That's what it is. It's a terrible name. They're they're a good tag team. I I don't know why they're not getting a bigger uh, push. They they can really go in the ring, and they're both giant dudes who look look mad tough. I would have kept them with Paul Ellering. I thought it was um was a good combo, but they had both of those guys there: Ronda Rousey, like a Seth Rollins, like a Roman Reigns. 
you will always see a Seth Rollins and a Roman Reigns. Our dude Gino Vega has to be ecstatic because there are there are Roman Reigns figures in every series that ever comes out. He's the big dog. I get it, Gino. He's he's the best in the world right now. Um, I this guy argues about this all the time. He's like, oh, it's on message boards. He's telling people that like, oh, you might think that uh, Okada's the best or Tadahashi's the best or even even maybe Moxley right now. Some people think he's great, but no. It was the big dog. He's the one that carried the shield. He's the big dog worldwide. I actually saw a homeboy in a shirt. Like, he had a homemade shirt. I, he has, like, a like a silk screening gimmick at his house. And he made the shirt that said, Big Dog Worldwide, with a picture of Roman Reigns on it. He was, um, he was outside in front of his house drinking a Miller Lite and mowing the lawn. It was, it was quite a sight. But, um, we, we looked around Big Lots. Big Lots is, uh, that place is fun. I, I like it. I don't know. They have all kinds of weird off-brand stuff. I don't, I don't go there enough. You know, I, I do dig it. One time I remember I got up on a bag of um ODB. The ODB from the Woo. I got up on a bag of ODB potato chips that I still have the um the package for. I've gotten up on a lot of cool things at McFurgles. I preferred Big Lots when it was McFurgles. But uh Big Lots is still cool. We left there and this is when we went to the um the last record store. Because it was right there and I'm like, why don't we go in and take a look? We haven't gone in there in days and it turned out to be turned out to be life changing. But, um, we went there next. That was in the first segment. You've already, you've already heard it. And then from there, we got in the, uh, got in the whip and went to the other Target, where in which they didn't have anything either. So that was, that was kind of a bummer. But, um, I, I don't know. We'd gone through all this toy hunting, you know, all this toy hunting. And I'm like, the hunt must continue because we haven't, we haven't found the thing I wanted. Let's head to Petaluma. Let's head to Kmart, and we we drove out there. It would have been much easier if we um we went there when we were like at the uh, the other Target on Santa Rosa Avenue. It is so much closer. We drove like a giant loop around Sonoma County, went to the um Target in uh, Kmart, rather in uh, Petaluma, and I I got up on a couple of WWE retros. I was I was I was pretty pleased. I got uh, Nakamura, and I got Brian Danielson. I mean Daniel Bryan, the American Dragon. I I haven't opened them up yet. They're both really cool. And they look really cool on that um retro style packaging. I don't know what I'm gonna do with them. I might I might pin them up on the wall. Or I might um I might put them I have like this um chest outside of things that I don't wanna open at this time. And I, I keep things in there for when I do when I do wanna open something up. There's a bunch of cool stuff in there. Tons of mini mates. I used to buy mini mates like crazy back in the Toys R Us days, and I have so many of them around that I I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Um, let's see. I think I think that concluded. Toys R Us, though, it's gone and it's sad. I guess it's coming back, but I'll believe it when I when I see one in um in uh, Northern California somewhere. But uh, they're gone. But that doesn't mean you can't toy hunt, though. You just gotta you gotta make your circle bigger. My circle went all the way, like three towns over, to go to Kmart. But um, in the end, you know, I got a couple things I wanted, so it uh it paid off, and I kept my hunting skills sharp. You know, my claws are sharp. My teeth are sharp. I'm ready to go. Just, uh, just in case, you know, the jump off gets jumping and there's, uh, some kind of toy hunting emergency. Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Shall we play a game? Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. Game over, man. Game over. 
Geekfest Rants is an entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. So say we all. So say we all. Join us by listening in at iTunes, YouTube, and at geekfestrants.com. Carlos has been killing it lately. I cannot recommend Geekfest Rants enough. There have been a lot, a lot, a lot of fun shows. Him and Steve, dude, they got good chemistry. It's good stuff. Hop over there now. Give it a listen. You can find that at geekfestrants.com, icrobots.com. There, there are links to it all over the place because, because it's a ton of fun. Now we're going to move into something that's also a ton of fun. It's called uh, Summer of Fitness. Hit it! It's the summer of fitness, your time to shine. Let's go outside and exercise. We will walk and we will ride a bike. It's the summer of fitness. Alrighty, Tiger Whitey, let's talk summer of fitness. That's our program to go out there in the blistering summer heat. Yeah, it's hot. I think that's put a damper on the summer of fitness. But dude, there are things you can do inside. There are things you can do early in the morning before it gets too hot. It's it's important to get the exercise. So we, we started this program where we're trying to get out there, get our heart rates going, maybe get some uh some healthy eating habits in effect. I don't know. Every every little bit helps. Let's uh let's talk about food for a sec. Food, man, that's the building block of our, you know, our physiques. And it's important important to eat right. You want to make sure to get your fruits, your veggies. More veggies than fruits, you know, that's that's definitely true. Also, you know, lean meat, turkey, chicken, these things are all good for you. I, I've been like this lately. The garden season is in full effect, and we have a booming blackberry bush out there. So I've been having blackberry smoothies just about every day. This is what I do. I have this for lunch. I get a banana, I chop it in half, I throw it in the blender. I get a yogurt, Greek yogurt, no sugar, Throw it in the blender. Then I get a handful of these berries, right? I go, I go pick them. You know, I pick them in the yard and I throw them in the blender, blend it up, drink it down. It's a, it's a pretty low calorie lunch. You know, the banana has a bunch of calories, you know, for a fruit. It's one of the, one of the more high calorie ones. Fruits are generally going to have more calories than vegetables. You know, they got like a, you know, a bit of sugar involved in there, but, uh, it's good for you. You know, it's good for you. Um, gets the, uh. Gets the stuff flowing through your uh, body, the uh, the roughage and such. So that might be something you want to try. You can substitute the berries for whatever you want, whatever you got going on. Maybe you could buy some, get some down at the Safeway, get some blackberries, or just uh, mix up a yogurt and a banana with a... Uh, I forgot the protein powder. We've had this protein powder around the house for days. I throw it in there. I'm on the Andrew WK diet as of late. Been replacing one meal per day with a uh, with an energy shake. But um, I I don't know. It is more important probably to eat right than it is to exercise. But exercise is crucial, and we're pushing it. We're pushing it hard. I've been out there riding my bike in the blistering sun. It's like it's like Tatooine out there. I feel like we got. Multiple suns beating down on me from all sides, but I, what I do is I go early, or I go late, as opposed to like during the middle of the day when I, when I like to go. I've gone out like three times a week, I've been doing great, hitting up the Pokestops, riding up hills, and I've also, I've also been down at the park shooting hoops, I haven't gotten any games lately. There was like a full court game, and I considered it uh, asking my way in, it was a bunch of, bunch of high school kids, I figured I could use my size. And my, uh, you know, overall expertise to uh, keep up with their athleticism. But uh, it was too hot, man. I didn't want to run up and down the court. That's 
that's murder. But um, I've heard from some of my dudes out there that they're doing the summer of fitness, and I wanna I wanna send a shout out to Doug McCoy. He's doing the uh, one punch man diet with like a hundred uh, push ups. Sit-ups and squats, that's great. Squats kill me. Squats absolutely murder me. My knees, my knees turn to a dust. But, um, I, I appreciate that. Doug says he's uh, starting to see some abs. So, you know, good for him. Good for Doug. Doug's my boy. He, um, used to be a Californian. Sadly, he moved away. He moved back home. We lost, we lost another good man. I, I hate to see that happen. Also, my man Charles, he's still out there walking every day. Twice a day, I'm I'm proud of you. I I heard from somebody named Mark. My dude Mark told me he's been riding his bike. He pulled the bike out of the garage and he uh, got it going. He's been riding. I I appreciate that, Mark. Do not give up. It uh it takes a while to like break down your legs to where you can like fully go out there and enjoy it. But uh don't give up. The initial pain will pass. You'll be good to go. It's super duper duper fun to ride a bike. I, uh, I also heard from our dude Matt D, Mighty Matt D, and he told me that he's too lazy to be in the summer of fitness. Matt, you're not. I know you're better than that. I believe in you, dude. Go out, go get some Pokestops. There's, like, this whole Team Rocket thing going on, and that's, that's pretty cool. I know you want to be down with that. Don't, don't give up on yourself, man. We believe in you. Everybody listening right now, send a mental vibe to Mighty Matt D and let him go, uh, get some Pokestops and have some some fun unless it's too hot don't don't kill yourself right now maybe go out go out later in the day when it uh the sun has gone past the hills i heard from javier javier said he's been going up many flights of stairs at work and he's been trying to walk as much as he can that's great man stairs are awesome exercise walking's awesome exercise it's all great i appreciate you guys doing this i appreciate everybody who participates we we heard from a gal I heard from a gal who goes by the name of Scarlett, and she told me that she started jogging. I, I, uh, man, jogging's hard. I, I appreciate anybody who jogs. It's just like, it's murder on my knees. That's why I ride a bike. So anybody who has the courage to go out there and do it, I gotta give it up. Scar, you're great. Keep, keep it up. Go as much as you can. You know, break down, break down those muscles. Build him up again. I'm assuming Esquilito's still out there, uh, hanging and clanging. Uh, he, he told me, I heard him say, I heard him say, if it's not bending, you're just pretending. This guy, he lifts heavy. He's an Olympic power, uh, lifter type. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm just like, I'm so happy that anybody participates in summer of fitness. It's, uh, it's really important. You get a healthy body. You get a healthy mind. You will start feeling these effects almost immediately. I'm not even kidding. You'll start you'll start feeling better about yourself. You'll feel good about yourself. You'll you'll just get like a mental jolt. It's really it's really great. I I don't know. The show is starting to get long. I I'm gonna have to get up out of here. I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, POS, the patron only show last week. Last week there wasn't an episode of the IC Robot show because there was there was only POS. You can find that over on Patreon. That's our Patreon deal. It is um, supportthereport.com. I also posted a uh, episode of Icy Robots Radio, my uh, hip-hop mix show. That's a lot of fun, a lot of cool rap tunes. It's hosted by Emily and Iceberg. It's great. I posted one of those over on Patreon. There were two new shows last week, man. You can get down with that for as little as a dollar a month. If you like what we do, and I hope that you do, if you if you get something out of this, please consider becoming a show patron, man. For as little as a dollar a month, you get a show a month. A fun show. Next month, we're going to have a This Boring Life about audio cassette. It's going to be exclusive to Patreon for at least a few months. 
I'm probably going to end up putting it on the feed after a few months. I want to keep all the uh, this boring lives together. But they're they're going to get to enjoy it way before you do. If you're a non-patron, that's worth that's definitely worth a buck a rooney at the minimum a buck a rooney. You know, you get in for the buck, but you can you can give as much as you like. I'll I'll take whatever, man. Don't break the bank though. Just uh, imagine how much money you could drop out of your pocket a month and you wouldn't notice and give that much. That's a good. That's a good gauge. I appreciate you guys. You're all you're all great. Listen for free. I don't mind. It's all good. It's all good to me. I have fun doing this. We're going to be back next week. I'm going to talk about a, a recent trip I took to the uh, flea market. We sold it to flea market. It was a uh, it was a ton of fun. We'll go over what we sold, what we saw, how much money we made, just the overall experience. I do this a couple times a year, and it's always always kind of a kick of the pants so until then this is me icy robot signing off for emily she's sitting right here iceberg everybody all over the world if you don't know know. because we only have one rule on this team what is that rule, Twiggy? E-L-E. That's right, E-L-E. What does E-L-E stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. Hi. If you've got a second, please drop by supportthereport.com and peruse all of the patron-exclusive content available to those who have the kindness, nay, the courage, to toss in a couple of bucks in support of the greatest podcast in the world, The IC Robot Show. It's well worth the time, and on an ethical tip, it's what Captain America would do. Supportthereport.com